0: Salt Company, what's up? Yeah, all right, two people are excited. Three makes me, or three with me. With me makes three. Okay, this is a good start. Uh, it's been a while since I've been up here, all right? I'm, I'm pumped to be back. Here, here's the deal. Uh, if you're new, my name's Jordan, um, kind of direct Salt Company here, and I am not a college student, which is apparently becoming more and more obvious. So I was on campus passing out flyers this week and with some of our students, and I'm just sitting there minding my own business, passing out a few flyers. And then Aaliyah over here, yeah, right over there, that's Aaliyah, everyone. Um, so Aaliyah comes over, and she's like, hey, Jordan, I'm, I'm going to pass out some flyers with you. I'm like, okay, okay, yeah, that's fine, that sounds good. She's like, yeah, it's just so that, you know, so you won't look so creepy. Oh, <laughs> like straight punch to the gut. Like, the moment of creepiness has arrived with me being on campus, so... I guess I'm just old enough that I'm creepy now. Uh but I just graduated like a few years ago. It's fine. Uh so if you see me on campus, don't be afraid. It's just me, you know? Uh Yeah, so my name's Jordan. If you're new, guys, we're seriously so pumped you're here. Like we know it's not easy to check out something new that you don't necessarily know what's going on and so yeah, thanks for coming, and if you did get one of those flyers, and you were like, yo, you promised me pizza, I don't see pizza, don't worry, it's coming, all right, we're getting there, it's just later, okay? Uh, and, and I want you to know, like, hey, keep, keep coming back, give this thing a shot a couple times, this is what we do every week, and uh, if you don't agree with everything we have to say, that's fine, actually, like, we're pumped you're here, like, I'd love to have a conversation with you about stuff that you're wondering about, questions you have, whatever, like, there's there's a bunch of people in this room from a lot of different backgrounds, and, and it's okay if we're a little bit different. We're, we're pumped you're here, all right? Uh, and so we're kicking off tonight uh, a little mini-series that we're starting the semester with called The Happiest Person Alive, which I'm going to explain what that means in a second, but let me start with this. What's one of the best moments of your life? Okay, I'm not putting like the pressure on of like the single best moment because you're going to like freak out and not think about anything. Just like one of the best moments of your life. Picture it right now. Like, like what, were you, what were you feeling? What were you, what were you thinking? What was that moment like? All right, so here's mine. I've, some of you have heard this before because this is one of my favorite memories from college. So it was roughly this time of year. I'm a freshman. I'm sitting with uh, my buddy Jace and Ben, they're juniors, I thought it was hot stuff, freshmen hanging out with juniors, and uh, we're eating in the dining center, and it's seriously, like, with the wind chill, it's 40 below, so, it, I mean, it's like, the crap that's outside right now, it feels like that, and I'm just angry at the world, as you all are, too, and we're sitting there, and it's a random Wednesday night, and then Ben just looks up from his food, and Jace is, uh, has family in California, so Ben just looks up from his food and goes, Jace, Let's go to California. And Jace went, okay. I'm going to go get the oil changed to my car and left. And, then, and I'm sitting there like, uh, what just happened? Ben turns to me and goes, Jordan, you want to go? 45 minutes later, we left. <laughs> Took off Wednesday night, threw stuff in a bag, threw it in the car, just started driving. Drove straight through the night. It was like a 24-hour drive. Drove th- straight through. There's this old school song by Phantom Planet called California, Here We Come. I'm going to save you. I'm not going to sing it. But like the, no, no, not gonna happen. <laughs> Appreciate that though. But it's just like talking about California. Here we come, you know. And so we listen to that in every state that we pass through and just loving life. And so we drove out. We didn't tell Jason's family that we were coming. We just knocked on their door. So his mom opened up the door and we're standing there. She freaks out. We crashed at their place and we just hit the beach for like two days and just chilled in California. It was awesome. And then we drove home. Just out there for a couple of days drove home. Coming back, it was Super Bowl Sunday, and we just decided to crash a Super Bowl party in Vegas, because why not? We've already driven to California on a whim. Let's crash a Super Bowl party. So we crashed a Super Bowl party with like 1,500 people and like giant big screen TVs. We snuck in, grabbed a little food, left. Maybe don't do that, but it was fun. Um, got back for classes. But I remember this moment on that trip where... I was taking a nap in the front seat, and I woke up, and I, like, opened my eyes to the Rocky Mountains, and I'm just, like, looking out the window to the Rockies, and I sat up, and I'm having this conversation with my buddy, Ben, and, like, they're the right type of people to road trip with. You know what I'm talking about? they like, they can have a blast, but also can talk about real stuff, and we're talking about Jesus. We're laughing. We're having fun, and I remember feeling this, like, I want to stay here forever. You know, like, that moment? okay. What is that? So there was something more happening in me than just happiness, right? Like you can have like a good day and you can be happy, but there was like something more in that moment, like, like the part of me that just dies in the daily grind, like woke back up and I felt like human for the first time in a long time. What is that? Happiness. Yeah, close. I, I didn't mean for that to be rhetorical, but yeah, or I meant, but yeah thanks for answering it for me. Uh, appreciate that. Yeah, so what I would call it is joy. It's joy. And here's what I want to tell you tonight is that's what you were born for. And that's what you'll spend the rest of your life pursuing. Every human being, I don't care who you are, every human being in this room, every human being who's ever existed will spend their life trying to pursue joy. You'll wake up tomorrow, you'll try and figure out how to be happy. You'll try and figure out how to induce joy into your life. Which is a great thing, but here's the problem. We're actually pretty bad at figuring out how to have it. All you gotta do is walk around campus, look around. People are not happy. Like, okay, Joy is like a snow leopard. I've been super into uh, like wild Alaska and planet Earth lately. Snow (laughs) leopards are like notoriously really hard to find. And then especially when you start looking for them, it's like they know. And they just hide and you can't ever find them. That's what joy is like. The second you start like intentionally looking for it, you can't recreate it. Like like that moment that I had on that road trip, I've gone on a bunch of road trips since then. They've been fine, but they weren't like that. I couldn't recreate it. And, and then even the minute you, you like have that moment, it just sort of falls through your fingers. Like you can't, you can't hold on to it. And so this, I, I've talked about this before, but I think this is like the fundamental human problem is that you were made for joy. You're all looking for it. You're pursuing it in something, but none of us can find it. And here's the deal. I think almost none of us even take time to consider that Jesus might have something to do with that problem. So here's, here's what our culture believes. They believe that, that following Jesus or that religion might be good, but it's not very much fun. Okay, so like when I was growing up and my mom told me to clean my room, it wasn't like I was just like, yes, like that's what I've been waiting for. It was good. Like it's good that I have a clean room, but I didn't want to do it. And that's like how we think about Christianity. That's how we think about Jesus. Is like, it might be good. It might be the right thing. It's like he's telling you how to live a moral life, but it has nothing to do with what you want in life, with what could make you happy, with what could satisfy you. And, and here's what I want to tell you is actually you're wrong. I'm wrong when I feel like that. So I want to tell you a story about Jesus. It's from John 2. If you have a Bible, you can, you can flip there. So this is what we do. We, we teach from the Bible every week. We think it's actually pretty important. I think it's actually an awesome book. Uh, it's a great work of literature, and so we, we value it. So we talk about it every week. Uh, you can pull it up on your phone if you want. Uh, there's free downloads that you can get. But follow along with me in John 2. we read verses 1 through 11. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, okay, let me just help you out there. That sounds a little rough. Like, don't, guys, just don't refer to people as woman, okay? It's, just, it's a bad idea. In the initial language, this is not offensive at all, okay? It's, it's weird to us, but it, it was actually like a very respectful, endearing term, okay? So Jesus says, woman, What does this have to do with me? My hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 and 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine... Just kind of drops that in there. Okay, Jesus just turned all of it to wine. Okay, now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants knew uh, who had drawn the water. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first, and then when people have drunk freely, they, they give the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. This is the first sign Jesus did at Cana and Galilee and manifest his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Okay, so this is Jesus we're talking about. This is the guy who would eventually raise people from the dead, who would walk on water, who would heal sick people and save people forever for eternity. And this is his first miracle. So dude busts on the scene with this. I'm going to make a bunch of wine. That's weird, right? Like when you read the Bible, do you like ask questions? That's nuts. And, And then, okay, did you see how much wine he made? Okay, so there are six stone water jars there. How much is each one of them holding? 30 gallons. You know how many bottles of wine that is? 900. I did the math. 900 bottles of wine. So either this is like the world's largest party. There's like 1,000 people there, and they each got their own bottle. Or Jesus makes like way more wine than anyone could ever drink in that moment. And here's the deal. It's not just, like, a lot of wine. It's the good stuff, all right? Like, so this guy, like, is like, hey, usually people serve the good wine first, and then they give the cheap stuff, right? The equivalent of beer, like, they they start giving, like, the natty light and the keystone light, right? (laughs) Don't drink that stuff. I mean, if you're underage, don't drink at all. Wait till you're of age, and don't get drunk. Okay, that, okay, I actually want to clarify that. Okay, that's true. Like, the Bible talks about that. It puts parameters around drinking, But if you're 21 and if you're under control, that's a different thing. But just don't drink Keystone or Natty Light ever. (laughs) Okay. So so he makes the good stuff, right? And they're like remarking on this, like, man, this stuff is good. Okay, here's the deal. Jesus is the type of dude that you want at a party. Now, again, I want to be clear on this. This is not the type of party that you guys have on college campuses, Okay, that's that is not what I'm saying, right? Don't like go tell people that this guy at Salt Company told you to go party whenever. You, that's not what I'm saying. But Jesus is the type of guy that you want at a party. Like this, uh, the groom in this story, major party foul. Like he didn't want to pay for enough wine, and so they ran out. And Jesus is like, no, let's keep this going, and he provides wine for everyone. That's not the stereotype that we typically have of Jesus. That's not like the, the killjoy fun hater that we typically think of when we think of Jesus. Now, what does this story mean? So when Jesus does miracles, it's typically pointing to something about who he is, about his character, and what, about, and what it means to live life with him. So notice what he makes this wine in. He could have made it in anything, but he picks these Jewish sort of uh, purification, sort of ritualistic uh, vats, Okay. And and this is what this was. This is a little oversimplification. This wasn't true of all Jews. But a lot of Jews at the time, their understanding of what it meant to be religious was that they would follow all of these religious practices. And they had all of these ceremonies and these washings and these rituals, some of them from the Bible, some of them kind of made up after that. And, and their understanding of what it meant to be with God is if I can just do all this stuff, if I can follow all of these rituals, and if I can make sure that I, I don't do some really bad things, then like I'm going to be okay with God. So their whole understanding of religion was what they do. It was, this, it was this morality system, and there was no joy in it. And now notice, before Jesus can turn the water into wine, what do they have to do? They have to fill it up with water because they were empty. See how that logic works? See what I did there? Okay, they're empty. Jesus is saying something. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, "Hey, that religion that you guys are relying on, it's empty. It's never going to get you to me. It's never going to satisfy your soul. It's never going to provide you with the joy that you're seeking." But then what does he do? He fills them up and he turns it to wine. And he says, that empty religion that you've been pursuing throughout your entire life, if you just have me, I can make you full. I can fill you up. Now, the question is, is with what? Okay, so a little bit later in this book of John, there's this little verse. that's a purpose statement of Jesus. It's not the only one that he gives, but it's one of his important purpose statements. John 15, 11 says this. You don't got to flip there. It says this. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. That word full means overflowing. It means abundance. Okay, and so this is the offer of Jesus is I want to make your life overflow with joy. So again, the accusations that we tend to make against Jesus, or our culture makes against Jesus, is we tend to stereotype him as kind of a killjoy, right? Like he might offer some good stuff, but we don't really want to follow that stuff that he has to say. We don't really want to listen when the Bible tells us how we should live our lives, and we see the restrictions in the Bible or within Christianity as just that, as restrictions, as kind of just rules just for the sake of rules. But you know what people stereotype Jesus as, like the people that actually knew him? This is what they stereotyped him as. They thought that he was a glutton, so a person that eats way too much food at feasts, and they thought he was a drunk. Now, neither of those accusations are actually true, but here's why they landed a little bit with people, because Jesus was the type of guy who was at parties with people who were doing things that he didn't approve of, but Jesus was there spending time with them. He was the type of dude that knew how to live life, he was a human being that knew how to be human and he lived life to the fullest and he knew how to celebrate and he knew how to feast and he knew how to enjoy life and be thankful for the things that he had been given and, he, and, he, and that joy overflowed to other people in his life and that's how other people that hung out with him felt about him. So we've come to the name of our series, The Happiest Personal Life. So there's a lot of ways that you could characterize Jesus And we do a lot. We talk about his love. We talk about his grace. We talk about his justice. We talk about his healing. And all those things are good and true. But there's one that we almost never talk about. His happiness. His joy. The happiest person who has ever lived is Jesus Christ. And not only that, but God himself is the happiest being in the universe. Okay, think about this real quick. So, that greatest moment in your life god is outside of space and time god lives there all the time the most beautiful place on earth that you can imagine god not only made it and designed it but he's there all the time the stuff that robs you of joy anxiety and pressure and obligations and and stuff that you've got coming up god's not like worried about anything like he rules the universe and it's easy for him he's at peace he's content he's the happiest being in the universe and here's what I want to tell you, I'd love to talk to you afterwards, okay? I'd love to talk to you afterwards, okay? Was he or not? Yeah. I'd love to talk to you afterwards. I'll finish. We'll have a conversation, okay? All right. Thank you. And, and what I would say is the reason why he was happy on the cross is because he was saving you. And that's what he came for. Now, obviously, it was one of the most painful moments of his life. It was pain that we can't imagine. But it was simultaneously happy, because he was accomplishing his purpose to come after you. Okay. God is the happiest being in the universe, and salvation is him inviting you into that happiness, into that joy. And that's what I want to talk about over the coming weeks. And in the foundation of that, the way that he can, he can pull you into that joy of his is all throughout the Bible, okay? And there's, there's various ways that we can get there, that, that we can talk about that. But one of my favorites is, is this uh, verse in Zephaniah. Zephaniah is this, this little book towards the end of the Old Testament, that I, that I know maybe some of you haven't heard of. It's a great book. I'd love it if you'd read it sometime, but let me read you a little verse from it. Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Okay, so there's, this is a verse about God's overwhelming joy. And and here's the question is, is what is it that, did did you notice that God's singing? He's like responding in spontaneous joy. What is it that God is singing over? You. Okay, look back at this verse. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Okay, here's what's true. If you are in Christ, if you've trusted Jesus for salvation alone, which, which that's a big if, right? We'll talk about that a little bit more. If you're in Christ... Here's what's true of you, is that when God sees you, he delights in you. He rejoices over you with singing. But, but here's the deal, that doesn't make sense, right? Because who has earned that? Like, I have not lived a life good enough for God to rejoice over me with singing. And I would say none of us in this room actually have. So, so that seems a little bit cheap. Right? It seems a little bit weird that he would do that. Okay, so this made me think of, so in high school, I had this really cool opportunity. So I was in speech. Do we have any, like, speech nerds in the room? Like, anybody? Okay. Oh, there's a few of you. All right. I thought there was going to be more than that, but represent. Speech was fun. I was going to say cool. I don't know if it was cool, but it was fun. Um, so I was in speech in high school, and I did this little, like, seven-minute, like, acting piece. Um... And we did it with, like, a couple of my other friends. And I don't remember anything that it was about. I just remember my face hurting. Here's why. is because my character in this speech class got slapped. And you're like, shouldn't you have faked that? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what we were doing at first. But apparently didn't look realistic. And against my knowledge, our speech teacher and this girl just decided to actually slap me. So one day I'm in the middle of this thing and I just get slapped across the face. That happened for a month. Anyway. So... I had this like I had this acting piece that I did, and we had this really cool opportunity where um, our speech teacher uh somehow got us this, this hookup with the cast of the Phantom of the Opera. Okay, so the the touring Broadway cast of the Phantom of the Opera did a workshop with us, and I performed in front of the cast. So we performed this thing, and here's the deal: we got a standing ovation. And you know what I felt about that? Not great. Here's why. Is they were trying to encourage me. They were trying to make me feel good. But were they impressed with my little high school acting? No, these were like the best actors in the world. What were they actually thinking? I'm just ready to go home. Like, when can I leave? But I got to make these kids feel good. So they clapped, right? So here's the deal. If, if rejoicing is inauthentic, it's actually not encouraging. It's demeaning. Is that what God does to us? Because we can't do anything to actually impress him. No, that's not what God does to us. When God is rejoicing over you, he's not actually rejoicing over your your good behavior. He's rejoicing over the one that you're with. And when you're in Christ, the one that you're with is Jesus. And this is what Jesus did. he, He set the bar for perfection as a human. He lived a beautiful, perfect life. He healed people in his life and he invited them into his life. And then he sacrificed for you because that's what it took to get to you. And he died on a cross as a sacrifice for you. And then not only that, but he physically rose from the dead three days later. He's still alive to this day in heaven. And he did that for you. And this is what God does when he sees that. He goes, yep that's awesome i love that and it deserves his standing ovation because it was beautiful it was amazing it was everything that a human being was supposed to be and god delights in it and that's authentic joy he rejoices in his son and this is what it means to be a christian is for jesus to stand in front of you and for god to clap at him and then to clap at you in the process that's crazy That's the good news of the gospel, not that you're amazing, but that Jesus is amazing, and that you get the reward that only Jesus deserves. So here's the deal. You can spend your life chasing joy in whatever you want to. You can chase it in kind of any number of things that our culture tells you will satisfy you, but if if you're not finding it in Christ, the author of your soul, you're not going to actually find it. And you'll be separated from him. And the point of your joy is that you would find it in him. So even if there's a small chance that Christianity is true, isn't it worth giving yourself in college to investigating whether this might be the thing that you've been looking for. More than likely in college, you will determine the way that you'll live for the rest of your life. The question is going to be, where are you going to look to satisfy your soul, that itch for joy? This is what we do every week. We talk about Jesus and we figure out how to find joy in him. And I want to unpack more about what that means Okay, there's some qualifiers coming. There's some explanations coming. So we'd love to invite you back to that over the next couple weeks. But I want to invite you to give yourself in college to figuring out if this is true and figuring out if this might be the thing you've been looking for. And we'd love it if you'd do it with us. All right, let me pray. Jesus, you're awesome. And we praise you. We praise you for everything that you've done for us. We praise you for inviting us into your joy. And there's people here from all sorts of different backgrounds, and there's people here that are struggling. And and it's a hard message to think about what it would look like to have joy in you. And I just pray they would keep leaning in. And and Jesus, would you help us to, to be undistracted by the things of this world and to figure out, what you intended our souls for. Um, man, you're really good. Thanks for Salt Company. It's so good to see them again. We praise you for that. And thanks for all the people that came out. There's a bunch of people here tonight. Thanks for that. And you've been so good to us. It's crazy that you rejoice over us with singing. that You quiet us with your love. Man, thanks. Thanks for not giving up on us. Thanks for pursuing us. We love you. Amen.